Good afternoon. Welcome to the second podcast from the Autonorms Project. My name is Ingvild Bode and I'm Associate Professor at the Center for War Studies and the Principal Investigator of the Autonorms Project. The Autonorms Project is funded by the European Research Council and investigates how autonomous weapon systems may change international norms. I'm very happy to speak to Professor Denise Garcia from Northeastern University in Boston today. Denise works at the intersection of international law and international relations and is one of the earliest scholars in the field to do research on weaponized AI and disarmament processes. Her recent publications appeared in Nature, Foreign Affairs and other top journals. She is here to talk about her upcoming book entitled Common Good Governance in the Age of Military Artificial Intelligence, which will be published with Oxford University Press uh, in 2023. So welcome, Denise. It is a pleasure to have you with us. Thank you, Dr. Bode, for having me. It's an honor. I'd like to start by asking you what inspired you to write this book. Uh, so, of course, we see an increasing number of publications coming out in this field of military AI, but I believe that your book takes a different angle compared to most. Could you talk about this a bit? In this book, Dr. Bode, um, intended for readers with an interest in rapid technological developments that have an impact on war and peace. I delve into the complexities involved to set global governing rules on the development of autonomous weapons, restrain the weaponization of AI, and explore the intricacies uh, of regulating the militarization of AI, inspired by a goal to improve the common good of humanity. So that was my main goal. This book is not about a dystopian future when machines will kill humans autonomously, like the Terminator imagery, either, either embodied as robots or operating in cyberspace. It makes the point instead that this future is already here and it is impacting on our lives right now in the way that nations continue to divert funds to create technologically ever more advanced ways to kill and impose control rather than tackling pressing problems of global cooperation of a non-military nature, such as confronting the climate crisis and preventing the next pandemic. With that in mind as my inspiration, I investigated ways to establish a peaceful future global order characterized by a common concern for the common good, where future generations will be protected. Mm. I think that's a, that's a really unique kind of starting point so that we, are, we tend to be so wrapped up in the negative uh, side of military AI, um, and I would say I'm also guilty of that, um, that we don't also see it as a, as a potential technology that could be that could also be used for for for, for very different purposes. So um, and and how exactly do you then analyze this this space of common good governance? So how do you think this this might be able to evolve? Mm -hmm. So I, I devised this concept of common good governance that is accompanied by two auxiliary concepts of transnational networked cooperation where I see the role of other actors beyond the state in forging avenues for peace um, and other humanities security, which is my attempt to say that the, the concept of national security is anachronistic. Human security concept is very helpful, but it needs to extend further. Um, so the methodology was also adopted was not only creating this new theoretical concept, but also to um, uh, adopting a participant observation uh, in in being at the capitals of diplomacy, 
where the conversations are being held not only in New York at the UN, but principally in Geneva, but also Berlin, um, Oslo, Brussels in particular with the European Union and NATO as well, which the groups I've been involved with, which are also participant observation kind of form of methodological approach to this, we have been involved in publishing larger audience types of, uh, of reports to alert and to advise the United Nations processes as well. Mm -hmm. That's fascinating, Denise. I mean, I was, I was actually wondering whether you could talk a bit more about this method of um, participant observation because it's, I mean, it's something you use quite a lot in your research. So, what what do you think? So, how do you actually do it? <laughs> what you do, and then what do you think it really adds to your understanding that other methods, you know, for example, just kind of textual analysis or different kinds of kind of content analysis, don't really bring to the table. Right. I think um, for the analysis of these complex issues, you need an all-hands-on-deck type of methodological approach. So a simple theoretical approach, a purely theoretical framework approach, I, I don't think it would suffice because it wouldn't tell the whole picture. So I, instead of staying just perhaps in my office in Boston, I tried to uh, really see where the conversations are happening and talk to the people involved, the diplomats, the policymakers, the the inventors of the of, of AI, the, the producers, the engineers. Um, so I I really invited um, some of the leading AI people um, to my campus to speak. Um, I was fascinated, for instance, to have Professor Teg, uh, Max Tegmark from MIT, um, who led with the Future of Life Institute some of the publication of these letters in mm -hmm. 2015 that alerted the larger public. Um, but definitely being in the diplomatic, the high-level diplomatic scenes was extremely fruitful to see not only the conversations in the halls of diplomacy, but also in the corridors of diplomacy where, as you know, as you've been there as well many times, uh, this is where really the, the most um, constructive conversations take place. Mm, definitely, yeah. I like that, the differentiation between the halls and the corridors of diplomacy. That's, that's very nice. Um, so what would you say is, is for you the most important message that you're trying to get across with your books or I mean of course it's not out yet you know so so watch this space you know you will be able to read it uh, in 2023 but what what would you really want readers to take away from your from reading your book well um Dr. Bode, I think um the power in ingenuity of humanity must prevail to create a healthier world for future generations by containing this autonomous algorithmic killing which is, for me, a monumental affront to human dignity. We simply cannot weaponize another set of technologies, as we've done with nuclear weapons. By surveying the vast, inspiring array of previous successes of global cooperation in limiting the proliferation of weaponry, prohibiting chemical, biological, nuclear weapons, I also reviewed extraordinary concrete cases where nations all nations um, in hard-fought victories managed to forge peace to limit violence. I looked at cases of 
prohibition of nuclear testing, of protecting the Antarctica, which is the last region for peace and exploration, outer space. So confronting challenges by providing both the means and languages and language for both nations, for, for all nations to gain perspectives to pave the way for the common good towards a, a really non-violent future where global order or peace could prevail. Um, and I believe in this world, AI must realize its potential to be employed for, again, the common good of humanity and to be protective of the dignity of well-being of present and future generations alike. Thank you. I think that's that's such an important message. And um, quite often we hear much more skepticism about uh, the potential to regulate um, AI, especially in the military space. But I think it's important, as you were saying, to also look at actually previous historical cases where this that also were not easy to negotiate, right? It's never, it's never, it's never easy to negotiate these treaties. But, but in the end, actually, we we have legal frameworks that are in place. So, um, thank you for that, Denise, and thank you so much for, <laughs> for for being here with us today. My pleasure.